Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast, where your hosts connect you with inspirational women from around the globe and chat about topics relevant to today's modern woman. Here are your hosts. Hi, I'm Jules. Welcome to the podcast today. I am the CEO of Julie Clyde Creative, where we help female entrepreneurs distinguish themselves from the everyday brands. And today I'm hanging out with my bestie, Megan. Hi, I'm Megan, the founder of Megan Hall Motivation, and hopefully our sound is better. We were told that I was a little too quiet, and I think I figured it out, so hopefully it's better. And at Megan Hall Motivation, we help busy working women overcome the overwhelm of life by teaching them habits and routines that will help them thrive. And today, we are here with Andrea. Andrea is the wife to Donald for 23 years. Holy moly, that's amazing. (laughs) Almost 24. Yeah. Almost 24. We just did a podcast on marriage or marriage that's um, actually airing the week after we talk, but not the week after these guys hear this. It'll be way before this. Um, anyways, and we were like between the two of us, Jules is 10 years and I have six. So I'm like, we have some room to talk with Andrea. We should have had you on. You probably know way more than us. <laughs> um, so she's the mom of six children, which I, when I met Andrea, I was like, yes, somebody has more children than me. This is exciting um, because usually I'm the person that has the most children out of everybody. And everybody's like, why do you have so many kids? So I'm like, hallelujah, somebody can understand my my craziness. And three furry kiddos. She grew up as a Navy brat, which is right there with Jules and I, not as Navy brats, but we're at Navy Wives, um, but settled here in Virginia at the age of eight. She's always loved to travel and see the world. And she's also been blessed with opportunities to do both. 10 years ago, they started on the journey of adoption from Ethiopia and now have four of their children Um, who are boys from that country. While in Ethiopia, she fell in love and hasn't been able to fall out. She founded Habisha Mama, uh, which focuses on at-risk children through education at a small school, as well as freeing trafficked children from the streets. She recently left corporate world to pursue more time with that organization, as well as a career with Rodin and Fields, which Jules is also Rodin and Fields too. So that's really cool. You guys have another thing in common. It's the number one growing skincare company in the United States. Life is good and she is very blessed. So Andrea, we are so blessed to actually have you on this podcast because how I met you was at one of my local meetups. So if any of our listeners are living in the Hampton Roads area and they want to come, just go to my Facebook page, Megan Hall Motivation, click on events, for there's at least a month in advance up there, sometimes two months in advance. It depends on how proactive I am. So, but they're pretty. Um, and we have a private Facebook page that everybody that attends actually attends, not not because you want to attend. You actually attend a meetup, can join. Um, and Andrea and one of our board members, uh, Christina, right? Christina? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yep. Attended a meetup. And I got to hear her wonderful story about how she uh, founded her organization. And I would love for you, Andrea, to share that with our audience because I found it inspirational. And then I told Jules and Jules was like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. So we would really love to hear that. Okay, well, I just wanted to first say thank you guys for asking. Um, And I hope I'm, I don't know, literate. Can you be literate while you're speaking? (laughs) You're good. We say random stuff all the time. (laughs) Um, While I share. So, and it was great to meet you, Megan, and I can't wait to get to know you better, Jules. Um, So, gosh, how did we start? As you said in my bio, I um, started with my love of Ethiopia 10 years ago with our first adoption of our son, Nahom. He is now 12. Um, 
I am not one of those people that ever wanted to go to Africa, um, to be honest with you. I never grew up thinking, oh, Africa's a place I want to go, you know, my heart is there. I wasn't ever one of those people. I mean, I saw the pictures when I was in high school and, you know, listened to the, the Band-Aid song. Um, but <laughs> but I never was that person until we started on this process um, of adoption. And um, when we got there, it just felt comfortable which is interesting, you know, um, when you go to a place that's completely foreign and you are completely foreign. I mean, let's face it, I, I don't look Ethiopian by any stretch. So, you know, it was uh, one of those things. And, um, you know, just fell in love with the country. We went back for our second adoption um, uh, two years later, and I honestly hated it. When I was there, we were there for five days. He was incredibly sick and it was incredibly emotional. Um, trip for us. We were there, couldn't wait to get out of it. And that really kind of confused me. But, you know, but God um, got back and I was in church and we were doing a Bible study and just felt led that I needed to share more about the country that had given us two beautiful gifts so far um, with other people. I wanted them to see um, the beauty that is Ethiopia, not the pictures that you see, not the, you know, the large bellied naked children that are starving to death. I wanted them to see the beauty that is the people. So I started with our church actually taking teams over so that we could visit. Um, we visited a leper colony. Um, did you know that leprosy is still a thing? I had no idea. No, actually. Yeah, it's uh, there's a colony there that um, houses 130,000 people, um, and they live on a dump. And that was my first um, real like pull. I just got sucked in. You almost could hear the sound. <laughs> um, we walked into a, um, a home of a woman who um, it was a probably 10 by 12. It was dark and hot. And um, she was sitting on the bed and there was a baby in her arms that was a month old. She was missing uh, several, one of her legs and several of her fingers. And I just was, went over and I sat down with her and I put my arm around her and had that one moment of, oh my gosh, I'm sitting on the bed of a person that le has leprosy. And then the next moment was, no, I don't care. And that was the thing that just sort of um, really pulled my heart in. And I went back several times uh, with other teams and with other people and um, got to know some really fabulous people, people that I now call family that are there in Ethiopia that I now stay with um, and learned a lot about what the needs were in the country, found that there were a lot of people that wanted to see change within their own areas and within their own neighborhoods uh, and within um, what they saw were concerns but they just didn't have the wherewithal to be able to do it. So, um, you know, we, with, when, it, when I was with the church, we actually started a daycare with another organization called Hope for Cora. Um, Cora is the name of the leper colony that's there. And they actually started an income generation program and I helped them get a um, daycare started for all those mamas. Cause there's all those mamas that want to work, but they can't go to work cause they, they have all these children with them. So um, when I go back, I still, I'm still friends with the person who started that. So when I go to the daycare, I still, all the kids rush up and they say hi and I get big hugs and uh, it's my favorite. 
I mean, you know, pile up of kids all over you. What's better? Yeah. <laughs> um, and some things went on. So we ended up leaving that church. Uh, and in that transition, um, one of my dear, dear friends that's there in Ethiopia, his name is Agenio. He was my driver. I actually met him on my second mission trip. Um, he has an accounting um, degree and a managerial degree, but he hated being in an office. Uh, but And he loves to just drive around and take tours of his country with people. So he gets to meet new people and talk to people. And it's perfect for him because he's just got the best personality. But we were chatting and um, he was like, you know what, I need, we need to start a school. Um, you know, I have this piece of land and this, um, this building and I want to start a school there. And I was like, let's do it. Having seen so many people and so many children, actually more adults, um, that weren't able to get the education that they needed growing up and that was hindering them in life then, now, um, this was, it just was the perfect kind of fit to see where we needed to, to step in alongside. And so that's how Habasha Mama was birthed. Um, I came back here to the States and did all that crazy paperwork oh my gosh I don't know I don't I think I between adoption <laughs> and doing the paperwork for this I think I'm a glutton for punishment I hate paperwork <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I have no idea what's wrong with me um but we started along that path um we got to get started and we were working on along and things seemed to be coming together, but we were running into issues with the government where his piece of land in his house was, or this building was. Um, it seemed perfect. It had all of the right things and all of the right, you know, rooms and the, and where it was, was perfect. And everything just seemed, we were like, Ooh, yay, God. Ooh. Yeah. Not so much. Um, the government said, yeah, it's not zoned for that and we're not gonna be able to get the taxes that we need for that so we're not gonna let you do it oh <laughs> so then what do you do um, we uh, had a plan B to start a school in another town called Hawassa and that's south of Addis Ababa Addis Ababa is the capital of Ethiopia and uh, so we just moved the plan B up to plan A and as soon as we did that, all of the doors just like flew open. People started funding. People started wanting to be part of it. Um, we found a place to stay immediately. Um, it was right within the budget that we were already looking for. It was absolutely gorgeous. Didn't need anything to be updated. It was perfect. Well, I had a couple of minor things. But, I mean, I had, this was probably, I think it was June, end of June, maybe, the, maybe July, of um, two years ago and I was taking my very first Habasha Mama team over in September and so this all came together in that time frame uh, for this school it was just phenomenal and so when we got there with this team we were able to be handed the keys while we were there and be the first ones to open the door and one of the fun fun things is um, again you and I had had driven out that morning we dropped the team off and they were kind of doing some things and he and I had gone out to grab a couple of things that we, cause we decided we wanted to build, paint a mural on the wall. So he and I ran out to go get those things. And, um, it's just easier to shop with two people than with like 12. 
especially if they're women. Um, <laughs> right? We can't help ourselves. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it just is. So, but as we pulled back up and we were sitting in front of the gate, because everything is gated, we, we, we had the windows open in the van, we're sitting there, and from either side of us, uh, two yellow butterflies flew in between us, did a little dance, and then flew back out. And if you haven't seen our website, Habasha Mama's um, logo is a butterfly, and yellow is my favorite color. And so we both just sat there and went, oh, oh, oh my gosh, you know, how cool is that? It just felt like this cool little stamp of approval that we were doing the right thing. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Uh, so, you know, we started with 10 kids um, our first year. With Ethiopia, you have to start uh, with your, you start with uh, your lowest grade and you get your... Um, your certification for that. And as they grow, you get certification as the great grades grow. And so children come in and they move up and new children come in underneath. So that's how that works. So we had our first children our, and we watched them graduate um, this past July. Our first little 10 children, oh, they are so cute. Oh my gosh, I have a picture in front of me on my wall that I'm looking at. Um, and they're on our page, you should go see them. And uh, so this year we have 39 students that started in September. So that's a, a pretty good growth. Um, we had hoped for more, but you know, you know, God had other plans, and it's okay because we need to be able to grow and we be, be able to take care of what we're doing. So it's fabulous. Uh, can't wait to get back in there to see them when they graduate, um, or to see them when I go over in uh, February, a couple of weeks. So excited. It's 14, 15 days from today. I don't know when this will air, but it's 15 days from today, and I'm counting I, down. I believe it airs after you already have gone there. Okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah. We'll just so, have to do an update and have you on again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So much to share. Yeah, make sure you go to our Facebook page when you're listening to this so you can go check and see all the updates and the pictures of the kids uh, and what we're doing. And so as the school is doing what it's doing, I also have a dear friend named Mesfin. And Mesfin is uh, the head of an NGO called End a New Hope. And it is uh, already in play. It already works uh, in the capital of Addis Ababa on a mountain called Mount Entoto. And um, they work with mostly children uh, and women that have HIV uh, and uh, families that are there. So he and I have always, I've always visited his program when I've gone over there. We have coffee when I'm there. We just chat and have prayer together and things like that. So after a while, uh, he's already, that's already taken care of and being funded by another wonderful organization called Ordinary Hero. And uh, so they are taking care of that. But he said, you know, I have this other project that I want to do it down the countryside. It's where, from where he grew up. It's called Deborah Marcos is the name of the town. And uh, it's area that he grew up and what he has found in going back in his travels is that there are many, many children that have that are living on the streets that have been trafficked in. So basically, there are business owners and bar owners, a lot of bar owners in this town that go out into the countryside and they find children that are either orphaned or, um, you know, child led homes or you know, just at risk in families and they go to them or they go to their families and say, hey, we will give them a job and we'll take care of them if you let us have them and come into the country or come into the town with us. So 
you know, families that are poor and have no food and no way to be able to care for their children or their families, you know, basically, you know, give me that money so that I, I'm thinking I'm doing something for my child. And what ends up happening is their children end up on the streets uh, or they are working uh, for one of those owners and they are living and living um, on a one room floor uh, with each other. They all kind of pile up on each other. They get maybe one meal a day, they don't get baths, they don't get clothing, um, and they work at night at those bars. They walk around, they have little boxes of gum and um, cigarettes and other things that you could buy on the side of the street. And as they get older, they end up selling other things such as bodies. And it also works into being drugs and alcohol as they get older um, because it's easier to keep your child in, in check that's working with you if they are addicted to something and you have that thing that they want. So what we're doing is um, opening a home. It's actually been rented for the first six months. Uh, we've been able to uh, put all of the inf um, items into the kitchen and they have beds and uh, we'll be going over, hopefully the government now is identifying the children that need the most help that are willing to come off the streets. Because after you've been on the streets for a little while, sometimes that's just the life you want. Um, not that it's the best thing for you, but if you're not gonna want to see the change, then that's not gonna happen. We have children as young as six that we've interviewed and spent time with. Yeah, it's awful. Um, I can't imagine being a six-year-old and living on the streets and having to deal with that, you know? Um, or, you know, I had a little girl, she was 11. Um, her name translates to marigold. I only remember the marigold part because I love that flower. But she was 11 and we were having a meal with the kids um, when we were there with our team. And we had um, had the meal out there and I could see her across the room. And I said to her, and I said to one of my um, friends, I said, what's wrong with her? She's crying. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, he said, I don't know, let me go ask. So he went over to her um, and she had said her stomach hurt. And she had this crazy big um, cut on her knee. She had fallen and cut her knee. So I asked him if she would be willing to come sit with me because I just wanted to hold her. Mm. And um, she came over and she sat down with me and I was holding her and she was crying. And then I got her to smile and I was playing with her a little bit, tickled her and, and got her to smile and asked her, you know, what we could do. And that was the first time that I'd ever held a child that I knew had nowhere to go. She had no place to call a home except for a spot on a street or on a sidewalk in a box. And I mean, I'd worked in a leper colony. I've been in several orphanages. I've been with other orphanages, but they all have either a family member or someplace to go or even in an orphanage, which is not a good situation. At least there is somebody there to take care of them. And there was nobody there to take care of that girl. And that was the thing that just really went, oh, I didn't know what to do with what that meant. You know, how do I, how do I fix this? Excuse me. So <clears throat> um, we decided I went, came back to the board. I had a couple of board members with me when I was there. And I said, do you think that this is the thing that we need to do? And they all said, you know, 100% yes. We've been, um, and I say that because we've been approached by several organizations and several people that want us to work with them and help with them. Um, and we really try to make sure that we're going in the right 
direction with what we feel like we're being called to do and what is the right thing to do. So this just was the thing that, um, you know, just felt like the right. And again, as soon as we did that, um, you know, support just started coming and things just started coming in. So it's been an incredible journey. Uh, we, like I said, um, I can't wait to get over there in a couple of weeks to be able to meet the children, even the children that aren't going to be in the home in Zebra Marcos will be, um, <clears throat> ministered to i mean they'll be able to come to the home and they'll be able to get tutoring because many of them have never been to school some of them are teenagers and don't know how to count don't know how to write um you know have never been in a situation where they've been able to do that so you know we'll be able to give them those things and we'll be have um so we're really getting all that set up now and it's uh it's been an incredible incredible journey i'm so excited with everything that i just pinch myself sometimes and just think gosh i get it's amazing I, I really encourage our listeners if they like, you know, have, you know, it in their hearts to donate to your organization. Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys were looking for blankets not too long ago to help with this, you know, with the um, home that you were just talking about. But I would really love and I I really love um, the, the meaning behind the name. So can you share with us what the meaning behind the name is? Uh, the home. So uh, if you are Ethiopian, you are Habasha. You call yourself a Habasha. Uh, if you're not Ethiopian, usually you're just Ferengi or foreigner. Um, and because I have four Habasha children, we are Habasha Mama. I love that. That's so cute. And what made you um, decide to adopt your children from Ethiopia? Well, um, we actually had been at um, a Stephen Curtis Chapman concert. Um, he is a Christian uh, singer, and he has four girls that he, not four, three, that he had adopted from China. And uh, on the way home from that concert, he has an organization that works with adoption and uh, helps promote that. And on the way home, one of our, one of our children, our, our oldest son, Zach, who is now 27, he was a teenager at the time, said, we should adopt. It'd be great to have, you know, siblings. And my husband and I just kind of looked at each other and went, <laughs> no, you know, they were teenagers, you know, they were self-sufficient. They could go to the bathroom by themselves. We could go to the grocery store by ourselves. We were just not willing to, to start over. Um, and then, uh, but it's, it planted a seed. And so we went through the whole, oh my gosh, well, maybe we do want more children. Do we really want more children? And uh, so we then we found out we could not adopt. Um, I was sitting in church one morning at the front row, and there was a couple that got up, and they were standing up in front, and they said, we're adopting, and we're adopting from Guatemala. And I immediately just lost it, just boo-hooed sitting in the front row, so much so that the girl, one of my girlfriends in the back of the church came up to the front of the church to sit next to me and asked me what was going on. See, we, we had found out that we couldn't adopt because my husband has one of those shady pasts. He was a silly kid. And at 18, he got caught doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing. So that was on his record. And in the state of Virginia, that particular piece of record um, was a barrier crime. So you couldn't adopt. And um, I was like, seriously, I mean, really, how many of us have done something when we were 18 that we should not have been doing and we just didn't get caught doing it? Um, so we went to our local representative and said, you know, this could we talk about this? You know, couldn't we get a law passed or something or how can we get this changed? 
So he said, sure, let's put it in. So we got a, a bill presented to the state of Virginia that said, basically, if it was 10 years past, you had your rights reinstated, all these other things. Um, and I went to Richmond and testified um, for this bill, and it passed straight through both sides, House and Senate, first time. It was the scariest thing I think I've ever done. I mean, I don't know anything about the government, really, um, and I sure had never been anywhere <laughs> to um, stand in front of a bunch of politicians. And I couldn't tell you how many people said, mm, good luck with that. I'm not sure how well you're going to pass that. And it just and it went through. So that was the thing. Um, why Ethiopia? We decided Ethiopia because um, while we can get the bill changed in Virginia, you can't always change uh, countries minds and some of those had um you know these this was part of that if you had this um it was a felony that he had um and uh so most of them won't let you won't even look at you so we uh ethiopia was a new country in adoption it was just starting out uh it was relatively inexpensive and it was an easy process and we sat down with each other and we said well why not why not ethiopia you know, um, of course, there were the questions about color differences and whether or not we'd be able to care for that and, you know, illnesses and things like that that come with African countries, any country, to be honest. I'm sorry. I don't mean I don't want to put it that way. Um, but it just and so we put in our paperwork uh, as soon as a law went into effect on July 1st, <laughs> we put in our paperwork to get our home study done. That was done in September. Two weeks later, we had our um, our referral. And he, we had him home in December. It was super fast at that point. It is not that way anymore. So it's harder now to adopt? Oh, yeah. From there, uh, they have a lot more uh, processes in place, a lot more... Um, rules and things you have to jump through and there is never ever anything that goes the way you think it's going to go in Ethiopia. God love them. I do love them. Um, but there's a lot of fun thing. Well, government everywhere has problems, but <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, now it's a really hard process. It takes two to three years now. Oh, wow. This is something Chris and I've been talking about for a really long time because I always wanted four kids and he wasn't sure if he even wanted one. And we made it to one, and I convinced him to have two, and we got two and three because we had twins. Um, yeah. But we both feel like there's there's one that's not here, but we know that we're not to have that child. It's it's an adoption thing, but yeah, we've we've been talking about it a lot lately. And then when you were talking about Ethiopia, I was like, I wonder how long the times are because I've been looking into it as well. I was like, that is such a long time to. To wait it's incredible. And, yeah. yeah. And there's so many kids that need the help as well, which is the other side of it. Yes, that's the truth. That's the truth. There are so many children that still need to be adopted. And, and sadly, because of there was a big hoopla that went on at one point because that it was found that there were some children that were actually, um, like especially infants, um, there was a little bit of shadiness about how the infants actually came into care. Um, so there was a, there was a huge investigation. So there are a lot of new rules and things that you have to go through. Um, it could be less. It depends, you know, depends on whether or not you're open to special needs, uh, depends on where you want to go. There are some processes like, um, 
I've always wanted to adopt from China, even after we we got our four boys, which I don't know why, because Ethiopia is so much in my heart. But China, if you want to go with a special needs child, could be very fast yeah. process. So, and they've got all of their stuff as all their little ducks are in a row. So, could be an avenue. Yeah, definitely. Um, what needs and support are you looking for at the minute with um, Habisha Mama? Currently, our biggest need is funding. Um, child sponsorships is what we're looking for because we want to be able to have our, we need to be able to keep our school and our home open. Yeah. Uh, we were looking for pieces to take with, you know, things to take with us, like the blankets that Megan mentioned. Um, I have, no, I think I have 55 blankets. Um, we were also looking to take dolls and puzzles with us this time because that was what was requested for the school. And I think, um, you know, eventually, I think we'll probably have enough to take us on our trip now. But what we'll be finding out is a little bit more of that information while we're in Ethiopia. Um, and we'll be also getting bios on the children, pictures of the children, so that we can um, start using that so you can have a connection with who it is that you're working with and who it is that you're um, sponsoring. So that's what, that's what we'll be looking for. But if you want to take a photographer with you, I'll come. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I have a photographer this time because one of my board members is, but I know that she would love help. And if you want to come in June, we'd love to have you. If I'm still around, yes. Because we head back to Australia in the middle of June. Oh. We go home. But we can oh. always travel. Aussies love to travel. <laughs> yes. I actually had an Aussie with us on one of our trips. She was fabulous. Oh, awesome. Yeah. We are, we are pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, my girlfriend uh, Amy works over in Africa in Sierra Leone. She's been there for the last three and a half to four years. So she's been through all the Ebola and uh, caring and doing oh the gosh. humanitarian stuff there. Yeah. Um, and she's about to be moving into Dublin. But she's talking about her next trips as part of that job are to places like Syria and into the borderline countries where there's a lot of the trouble happening. I was mm -hmm. laughing about going on a business trip and she said, yeah, I'm sure your business trips are far more fun than mine. I was thinking <laughs> it would actually be something I would be really interested in going and seeing that side of the world and mm -hmm. just how fortunate we are. And it's something I'd love to be able to take Taylor on as she grows up just to help her to realise that, you know, it's not just hot water that pours out of a tap. You know, some countries you actually have to walk down the road to get the water to bring it back to do, you know, there's there's whole different scales of you know, human living in the world. That's true. We actually also do, we don't talk about it a lot because we're still trying to make sure that we can still get back into the village, but we, one of the things we do is water filters. They're um, biosand water filters. They're cement. They're made there. They're made with different levels of um, stone and sand and rock, uh, and we put them in the houses, and they filter out like 98% of the gunk that's in oh, wow. the typhoid and all those kinds of things. I don't know how that works. Um, the miracle of science is it filters all of that stuff out. But, yeah, we've, we've been in the village where we've installed these water filters, and there are little literally children that are down by the creek getting their water while they're standing next to a cow while it's also drinking. It is hugely, I mean, she pulled, filled up her little water bottle of dirty water out of there and, you know, that's how they, that's how they go or drink. So, and have to take it back and boil it if they think to boil it, but um, it's a mess. Yeah. It'd be fabulous. I'd love to have you. Yeah. I'm up for that. That'd be great fun. <laughs> Yeah, you coming, Megan? <laughs> I've already said that I would love to go sometime. I think that would be a wonderful experience. 
Mm. I have to get my passport first, but yes. <laughs> I just think uh, I the only other country I've ever seen in my entire life is Canada. It's because I'm a quarter Canadian. For reals. For reals. <laughs> my grandfather is Canadian. But uh, I've been saying that I've wanted to travel because most of my life I didn't even think that was like a possibility. Like I grew up in such a small town in a small area with such a small mindset that, you know, this is you you live in this lower middle class or even lower income. It depends on the area. We were looking this up last night, uh, what you're considered. But we didn't have a lot of money growing up. We had this scarcity mindset and my family like traveling was going from, you know, if we went to a different state. So going to a different country for me, I never thought it was a possibility. But now I'm like, wow, that I mean, because Canada to me wasn't a different country. That was just part of my my culture. But Mm -hmm. going to like, you know, going to a different country and seeing a different and experience something new. I would love to experience something like that. I already told you as I'm coming to Australia and seeing her. (laughs) Better. (laughs) I will. I'll come to Australia. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'll let you do. know, Andrea, when I go. Uh, Jules, did you have any other questions you wanted to ask Andrea before we wrap I up the podcast? actually do have one. I know you're RNF consultant as well. Yes. Um, I guess what what came first? Did Ethiopia come first or did the RNF come first? Because I know they work a lot with Build On, which look after the, the at-risk kids here in the States. Yeah. Did I that actually... inspire you? Um, no, I actually started Habisha first. I mean, I've been, I've been with Rodan for now four years and honestly, um, came into it right at the same time as we were bringing home our two middle boys and our two middle boys are now 17 and 18 at the time they were around 11 or 13, um, ish. The date of birth is a little in the gray area, but one of them has had, has, significant behavioral issues uh and so that's one of the things that is so hard um with adoption especially with older children um and our lives were just turned completely upside down and so at the same time as trying to work Rodan and Fields I we was I was trying to figure out how to just keep my head above water so um always knew it was a vehicle to be able to give me what I needed as far as time and money just didn't, you know, I just never knew if I was going to have to go home to a police being at my house because of something that had happened or something like that. So, and that's a whole nother podcast right there. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just tell you. Um, but, uh, probably in the past eight months or so have really, um, always I've always used the products and had enough to be able to use them on my own skin because I just won't use anything else at this point. Uh, And so at the end of last year, just um, right around October, I uh, started um, having an issue. I was working a full-time job. I'd been there for 15 years and um, just decided, you know, this things just were not working out the way I felt like they needed to be. And I hit my 15-year anniversary. I got my watch because um, th- you can get a gift with gift with purchase, <laughs> 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 a gift with uh, uh, work. And uh, I got a watch, which is weird because I don't wear watches, but I did. And I have this. Um, I put it on my left wrist. I have this uh, tattoo on the inside of my left wrist that says "Live Fearless." And so I looked at this watch. I'm looking at it. I flipped it over, and I realized that as I looked at this tattoo, that this watch did not represent living fearless. And I wasn't doing what I thought that I was supposed to be doing. And I wanted to live by this. And I knew that if I was going to be able to make a difference both within my own life 
with the lives of the children that I'm working with in Habasha, that I needed to really step out of whatever my comfort zone was in this job that paid my bills and paid my insurance into something that I knew was going to be so much bigger than that. And that's where I really kind of, I don't know, I figured I finally, four years later, I drank the Kool-Aid <laughs> <laughs> and realized that, you know, Redan was the thing that was going to get me what I needed in as far as being able to support my family, being able to give me the time that I needed. It also is allowing me to be able to help women feel better about themselves. You know, I, I want women to be, feel confident in who they are. I want women to have time to do what they want to do. I really, you know, I really am passionate about being able to help other people do that. It's not just about having nice skin. But if you don't feel good on the outside, you don't feel good on the inside. And then that doesn't come out. Yeah. And so if I can marry those two, which is what I'm working on now, if I can marry those two, I can support what I'm doing in Habisha. Um, I love being able to share with other people what I do because it just, it inspires, it's, it really inspires other people. I don't feel like I'm inspiring, but I feel like what, what's being done is. And so that gives other people that opportunity. So I have both of those things that are now sort of married to each other where I can help women feel good. I can help give back to my organization I love so much and spread both of those things at the same time. So I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> yeah. Jules, it, Rodin and Fields has um, done major things for Jules. Yeah. Um, as a personal um, personal development standpoint, you know, yes. uh, and you know where she's struggling and and everything like that, and it, it helped her, you know, feel that support and and it, yeah. it allowed her to the the access to do what she's doing now with her um, branding. She's my yeah. branding specialist, and she's fabulous. She does amazing <laughs> things. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to wrap this up because we want to be respectful of your time, but also respectful uh, of the our financial audience. side of things. I was just going to say, it's given me the, the tools to be able to match like my heart with my finances. So I can give back and yes. I can support the creative business as well. But it is a vehicle. It really is. It really is. Yeah. yeah. I started um, using a good, my, um, my earnings from them a long time ago in sponsoring children so that I was already giving back with that, even if it wasn't something I was, you know, wasn't doing anything with my, my personal household. I was just using that to be able to, you know, sponsor kids and be able to give to things. So now I'm working on having that work for both take care of my, my home and that, and it gives me the freedom to be able to do that. So it's, it's fantastic. I'm really, I love it. It's good stuff. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Andrea, for being on the podcast. We want to wrap this up with the final questions so that we can be respectful of your time and our audience time. Cause, and we'll have to have you back on the yeah. podcast as a follow-up. I, I definitely like to have you back on like later this year or early next year, just to see how is, how it's going with the new, the new home um, and to see how the school's going and see the growth. Cause I think this is an amazing thing. And maybe yeah. by then, Jules and I will have gone to Ethiopia and we can tell our experience too. So. That would be fabulous. <laughs> yeah, let's do so, it. So what does authenticity mean to you? What does often being real, being who you are. It's so funny how, especially in a world of social media, um, how so many people don't put their real face forward. Um, and who they are and what they do. I've had, I can't tell you how many people have said, wow, you, you're exactly like you are on Facebook and in real life, <laughs> because I don't know how to be any different. You know, um, I think that if we 
are true to ourselves and really are able to be who we are, um, good and bad, happy and ugly. You know, you don't have to put out your laundry, dirty laundry, or your gross trash in the front yard. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, You know, but being authentic is something you, you catch more, what is it? You catch more bees with honey. Yes. If you are actually, you know, because be, if you have honey, it's all natural. You should be. <laughs> and Winnie the Pooh might show up. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. I love Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Me too. So how do you make time for self-care? You know, that's something that uh, is so hard, uh, especially for women. I have a dear, dear friend named uh, Brandy, and she runs something called Soul Care, and it's for women who run nonprofits. Uh, she takes them aside and gives them something. You know, we have a several days where we get to just. She feeds into us, and during that time frame, um, that very first trip with her to do that, I found out that it was okay to do that. You know, I felt so guilty leaving um, leaving my family, leaving my husband. You know, things were so crazy. But if you don't take care of yourself, how are you going to take care of everybody else? How are you going to do all of the things that we're called to do? How many of us have more than one job or more than one thing that we're involved in? How many of us do 12 things? And if we can't take care of what's on the inside of us, if we're not filling up, we can't pour out. Uh Oh, oh, girl, you're speaking my language. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... I used to go to kickboxing. I hurt my foot, so I couldn't finish that. But kickboxing was sort of my thing. So now I'm working back into trying to figure out how to get the whole exercise thing back in. But, you know, I take time to try to read a book or, you know, take 30 minutes to walk around Whole Foods by myself at 9 o'clock on a Wednesday morning because I can. Um, Ooh, we're all dating in fields. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, just, um, you know, take that 10, 15 minutes, I can't take a bath because the only tub we have is the boys. And I'm sorry, I'm not getting in that sucker. (laughs) Four boys in one tub. No, thank you. Um, You really need like a nuclear bomb to clean it up. But you need, you know, you need to be able to take because you just can't. I have found and have been able to realize that once I feed into myself, it's so much easier to feed into so many other people. Oh, yes. I love that. So what is your biggest struggle as a modern woman? <laughs> I think that's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just, just the short condensed version. <laughs> the Reader's Digest version? Oh, gosh. Um, be, going back to your first question, being authentic. You know, it's hard um, when depending on what kind of circles you're in is, um, you know, really being who I am. I mean, I grew up, I was super shy. I'm, I was happy that my last name was Wyckoff because I could sit in the back of the room and, you know, I could hide, you know, and, um, you know, being out and being who I am as a woman, because women are not always pleasant to each other and very judgmental of each other, you know, shame on us. And, you know, just, I try really hard just to be authentic in who I am. And then, who I am as a woman, hopefully just sort of takes care of itself. I love that. Think about Lady Gaga and everybody's having a fit over her belly bulge. And I put that in quotations because let's be honest, there was no bulge 
Really? It's, it's skin, people. It's called it's skin. skin. <laughs> ridiculous. Oh, ridiculous so, thing. Oh, I know. I love her. She's Me like, too. amazing, amazing woman. I literally posted a picture of myself in a bikini on my Facebook page. It's just so people, this is what a belly bulge looks like. <laughs> I saw that. This is called non-Photoshop. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you're going to pick on Lady Gaga here. I'll give you something to pick on because, like, she is, like, probably, like, 10% body fat. <laughs> right? And, the, like, I watched her interviews pre-Super Bowl cause, just because I love what she does. And she was saying she's probably training as hard, if not harder, than the athletes that played the Super Bowl because she not only has to have the high energy and the endurance to perform, but she also has to be singing while she's doing it. But you don't see the Super Bowl guys running around going, I was born this way with the ball. (laughs) Right? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Can you share with us one tip for creating positive relationships with others? Be authentic. I know that that seems canned and um, just goes back to what you were saying, but it's the truth. If you work on just being with the person that you are with, understanding who they are, getting to know them as a person, not as what we think we can get from them or what we think we, you know, what's, what's happening next or whatever. But if you just take the time, put the phone down and just be with the person that you're with, and talk to them and get to know who they are. I'm not always great at that. And I'll be honest with you, I'm super, super bad at names. Like I will remember who you are by your face forever. I won't always remember your name. But I'm I, one of the things I'm really actually truly working on now is getting remembering who they are and then something specific about them as a person, um, you know, so that I can remember those things. Cause you know, there's so much stuff going into my brain. I swear it's Swiss cheese. And the more I get older, the more holes there are stuff falls out. What helps me in remembering people's names is if I'm at like a conference or a public thing, I introduce them to other people. So I keep saying their name. And then when I'm like introducing them, I continue to say their name. Like, Hey, this is Andrea. And Andrea has four, you know, or six children. You know, it makes me feel really good. Because then I'm not the only one with a lot of kids. You know, and I keep saying as I'm talking about you that I keep saying your name. So it helps me better to remember the name. Um, it's not always a perfect system. Sometimes I still forget their names. Smart. But it, it does help. And finally, what is one motto that you live by? Live fearless. It's become my new, and not only is it just a tattoo, but, um, you know, it's funny. I have a, a string. Um, I have um, a tattoo on my wrist that says live fearless. I have one underneath that same arm that says be the change. And then just above my heart. So that's all at my left side above my heart. It says live the life you love, love the life you live. And there's a word in the middle of it. That's Ethiopian that says that is happiness. So if you're living fearless to be the change that you want to see in the world without just being a voice, be, be the change then that's the life that you can love and live and find your happiness. You're speaking to my soul sister right here. I know it's like confetti fireworks. Yes. I love it. Andrea, (laughs) I am so happy. And I know like it's gone a little bit over what we normally do for a podcast, but I loved your story so much. And we really do want to have you on like later this year or maybe early next year to follow up with you 
And we're going to put all the links in the show notes so anybody doesn't know. You can go into inspiredwomenpodcast.com forward slash episode number. I had it just a little while ago. I don't have it now. <laughs> but you should go to inspiredwomenpodcast.com. It'll be the next one that you see. It's there. It's listed. And it will have everything. The links to your Facebook, yeah. the links to your website, everything we talked about and here we mentioned so that they can contact you, you know, get involved and, you know, in whatever way they can. You know, small, large, whatever, who knows who's listening to the podcast. And, and you know, this is an amazing thing to get involved in. Think about people besides ourselves because it's so easy to be in our little bubble and say, oh, my life's great and everything's going good and not realize there's people out there that are actually struggling. Right. True. So thank you again, Andrea, for coming oh, thank on. You. Thank you. You are amazing. You guys are great. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Inspired Women Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, write us a review, and share this out with your friends and family. See you next week.